Clapping today? Fill out the census for tomorrow. My2020census.gov or call 1-844-330-2020. Hi, everyone. This is Dennis Schultz. I'm the president for New York City chapter for Blacks in Technology. If you're not familiar with Blacks in Technology, we are a national nonprofit that advocates for Blacks in Technology. Let me keep it simple. Uh, we want to make sure that everyone within the technology universe is aware that there are indeed African-Americans who code and who practice the multiple disciplines within the technology industry. And we want to make sure that there is a place for advocacy and growth within that community. So thank you for joining us. Um, I have with us uh, uh, representatives from a few different interesting uh, venture organizations. Uh, so with me are Brandon Andrews, and I'll let Brandon introduce himself uh, in a second. I uh, also have uh, Fritz is here, and um, uh, Tende, Tende, what's your last name? Kalani. Kalani, uh, from Republic. So uh, this is a great panel. We have a lot of uh, talent guys. We'll keep this format loose. What I will tell you is that because we are recording, um, just keep that in mind as you're asking your questions. If you don't want to be memorialized on the internet indefinitely, please um, feel free to ask your question in the chat. Um, I'll ask it for you. The mics are muted by default. So if you want to ask your question verbally, just raise your hand, I'll unmute your mic. And this will be posted online after the event. So you'll get an email after the event with the link if you missed a portion of it or uh, just want to get a replay. So with that, um, I'll let the panelists introduce themselves, starting with Brandon. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much, Dennis. And thanks to Blacks in Tech for holding this event and for um, being an incredible organization, um, bringing more diversity, one, bringing more, I think, um, awareness of the diversity in the tech space, but also um, doing its part to build the pipeline of folks getting into the space as well. Uh, Brandon Andrews, I'm an entrepreneur. I currently have a mobile app company and a consultancy. The mobile app is called Gage, it's a market research platform. I'm on the consultant side. Um, I, among other things, run a nationwide casting tour for Shark Tank um, through our firm Values Partnerships. I meet several thousand entrepreneurs every year focused on finding more diversity, so more diverse ideas and also more diverse voices. So people like the folks on this webinar today, I'm getting them into the pipeline for the show and then also do some investing myself. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. All right, All right. thanks Brandon, I appreciate that. Um, Fritz, uh, do you wanna um, Donuts? Sure, sure thing. Um, is the audio okay? Can you hear me all right, um, Dennis? Yep, you're coming through clear. So thanks again. Um, uh, just piggybacking on what Brandon said. I mean, really appreciate you having and hosting uh, us here, Dennis, and, and just the entire BIT group. Um, so a bit on me. I am a designer by training um, over 19 years um, as an experienced designer. So essentially designing software 
um, from a feature perspective as well as um, functionality and, and um, interaction design perspective. Um, I currently am Associate Director at Boston Consulting Group um, in Platinian, uh, which is a division of, of BCG, and uh, also I'm the founder and, and executive director of Awesome, which is a, a venture development uh, organization designed to help founders, um, and specifically underrepresented founders, uh, win. And specifically, we look at providing coaching um, and functional coaching around specific areas um, to help scale a startup. And we also provide uh, access to capital through uh, an investor network, um, as well as helping founders um, think through some of the aspects of, you know, operationalizing, you know, what they're, what they're working on. So happy to be here and um, look forward to fielding any questions, um, you know, just based on the experience. And I should say I'm a two-time founder <laughs> as well. Um, so, so come at this with that, that experience also. So happy to be here. Thanks, Fritz. And Tunde? Hey, everybody. Uh, Tunde Kalani. Uh, thank you, Dennis, for, uh, for the invite and for, for Brandon for also looping me into this. It's really great to be here and um, excited to uh, share a little bit more about, you know, the Republic platform, which is, um, that's where I work. Uh, a little bit about me. I have a background in finance. I spent three years working uh, on Wall Street and sales and trading. Uh, kind of interfacing with asset managers and hedge funds. Did that for a bit before I kind of realized that uh, wasn't the most fulfilling work that I, I could possibly be doing um, and uh, wasn't really in, in, in the space that I wanted to be in. So, um, you know, started looking at different opportunities, ended up at Republic, uh, which is where I've been for a little over a year now. And Republic is an investment platform uh, that helps connect founders who are looking for capital with investors who are looking to deploy capital. Um, we have three main product line and verticals, an early stage platform, a growth stage platform, and a late stage platform. Uh, and effectively, whatever, whatever a company's capital needs are, we aim to provide a service um, that can help them find uh, investment dollars. The really cool thing about it is that our early stage platform is an equity crowdfunding platform, or crowd investing is actually the term that we use since it's a little bit different from your traditional crowdfunding. But um, that platform is open to uh, all types of investors, so both accredited and non-accredited. Uh, a relatively new way for companies to raise capital and also for investors to deploy capital. It's only been uh, kind of operational and, 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 and in existence from a legal perspective uh, for four years, so the summer of 2016. So the, the, the four-year anniversary is coming up, and in that four years, we've helped nearly 150 companies raise over $45 million through the funding portal. Our private arm has invested over $110 million uh, so far into later stage companies. So um, really exciting growth that we're seeing here at Republic and uh, really awesome to be tapping into the, the BIT network. Great, great. Well, um, what I wanna do is start with some of the questions that were submitted to me prior to um, the webinar. Uh, and one of the questions is actually a good segue from your introduction, um, Tunde, because um, it was asking about um, the difference between crowdfunding and um, I guess what, what you said was, um, was a slightly different or nuanced version of crowdfunding that um, 
Republic does. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, totally. So the term that I that we have been using um, is crowd investing. Uh, personally, I use the term micro angel investing, but some people have told me that that's a little bit of a, a mouthful. Um, but effectively, what you have is, is two different types of things. And I think technically speaking, both donation based crowdfunding, um, which is what most people are familiar with, uh, and and crowd investing technically fall under the, the, the umbrella bucket of crowdfunding. We just use a different term because the incentives um, for, for someone to, to give capital in both contexts are a little bit different and also the, um, the actions that investors or don do donators um, in, the, in the equity crowd, or sorry, in the traditional crowdfunding sense, the actions that they take after are a little bit different. So, um, you know, when you think about donation-based crowdfunding, you're thinking about Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. And these are platforms where um, sometimes companies, other times projects, artists, um, different creators, people who are trying to bring something to life are, are reaching out to the crowd in order to solicit donations to bring it to life. Um, but it's somewhat of a one-time kind of transaction in the sense that, you know, I'll, I'll give up some money to, to some project or to some cause. Um, maybe I'll receive like a t-shirt or a hat, or maybe I'll receive early access to a product if they're trying to bring something to market. Uh, but it's never a guarantee that that might actually happen or occur. Um, effectively, it's a one-time transaction. Once it happens, I may or may not have access afterwards. Um, and so I can kind of set it and forget it. With our platform, it's crowd investing. Um, so what that means is not only are you donating to uh, a company, or a startup or a project that you want to see off the ground because you believe in it, uh, but you're also investing because you want to earn a return. Meaning, so when you come to their public platform, you're investing in a company, you're receiving an actual security in that company, which is the Republic CrowdSafe. Um, we don't have to go into the, the, the intricacies of what that means, but you're, you're receiving a, a future, a promise for future equity if that company goes on to be successful. So not only have you invested, you now have upside in the company's future if the company is successful. Um, and the reason why I, I mentioned that the incentives are a little bit different is one, because you, you, you have that upside, but two, afterwards, what we oftentimes see is that for companies, there's a large network effect of um, these investors who serve as evangelists for the company or brand advocates. So not only are they investors themselves who use a product or service, they're telling their friends and family about it. Um, if it's a B2B company and, and an investor or an investor can bring uh, their, that, that, that product to their company, they can serve as, as a lead engagement pipeline. Um, so it really is dual, dual faceted from a capital raising and a marketing perspective for the companies. And then for the investors, it's also kind of, you know, it ties your, the company's success with your success. So if you, anything you can do to help the company be successful will ultimately be to your benefit because it increases the value of um, your potential exit in the future. Nice. So I can produce a widget and instead of having someone invest in me for said widget, um, they can invest in my company as um, a part owner. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, you're not just limited to, you know, what you put in, you know, potentially you're, you can see a multiple uh, return on your investment if, uh, if, you, if you're picking the right companies and the companies go on to be successful. So and this is uh, for, for everyone. Um, so what's, um, what's easier? Uh, the, uh, the equity um, crowdfunding piece or uh, the traditional 
angel VC route if you're an early stage startup? Anybody have an opinion? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say, I, I don't know if I'd say one is easier. I, I mean, I think it depends on what you mean by easy and like what you're, what you're working on. And um, I'd also say, you know, it depends on what your level of access is. Right. So I, I tend to not look at these things as like binaries, like, you know, either or it's a bit of an and. So I think, you know, if you if you have access and have relationships um, to to investors, um, whether it's angel or VC, um, I think that's important. That's an important point to to, you know, to consider. And I also think that um, as far as a crowdfunding platform or crowd investing platform, you know, I mean, Republic is super easy. You know, they're they're partners with us, and and um, you know, I, I'm I'm like super uh, you know big advocate of, of what they're doing because it democratizes things. I think the key thing to think about is what what problem are you actually solving, right? Like what you know what um, what is your startup, and what are you dedicating your life to, and and what are you trying to bring to market, and how much validation do you have that there's a there there right so sort of like early signs of traction um obviously if you're post revenue that's even better but really i think it's, it's going to come down to you know what you're working on what your growth metrics even even early growth metrics what they what they look like and how you can actually tell that story because in the end now you know you actually have access to so many different avenues from you know, going on, you know, something like Shark Tank to, um, you know, Republic um, or just, you know, connecting to angels and, you know, which is an area that we focus quite a bit on. Um, you know, it, it, it still comes down to those fundamentals. So I think it's not, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's almost the question to me is almost like, where would you have the biggest success in terms of potentially getting funded is how I hear it. And so I'm answering it more like, like that, you know what I mean? It, it's really about the fundamentals of your business and can you like prove that there's value there that is easy to demonstrate. And then I think, you know, I would, I would honestly, I would try try every route you can try. Shark Tank's a little different. I'll let Brandon speak to that because it, it's definitely, you know, I, I think you got to have some, 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 some demonstrable traction to, to really, you know, make a difference there. But yeah, I mean, that's my two cents on it. I mean, just speaking probably more so from the angel-ish side, angel like investor network side. Yeah, which which actually is um, uh, a question for Brandon. So Brandon, if um, if you are an early stage or are early stage startup, um, pre-launch, uh, pre-revenue, are you ready for Shark Tank or is Shark Tank just for companies that have a little bit of traction and just want to expand? Yeah, it's a great question, Dennis. So we endeavor to show the entire spectrum of really earlier stage businesses. So think about folks that are pre-seed all the way through maybe a small series A. And once you start getting past that, the numbers start getting too big for it to make sense for Shark Tank. But we endeavor to, to, to show the full spectrum. But the reality is, we're now casting for season 12 and over the past decade, Shark Tank's just become much more competitive. And so um, literally in the, in the first couple of seasons, you saw entrepreneurs come on with just a sketch on a piece of paper or just a, a, a 3D, 3D model and um, leave with a deal. 
nowadays that's much, much, much more difficult to do, and you very rarely, if ever, see that um, in in the past, you know, couple of seasons. Um, here's what I will say: the casting process for Shark Tank is um, at minimum a multi-month process. So you could potentially come to Shark Tank um, before your product launches, or certainly pre-revenue, uh, and um, pitch uh, and say, well, I've got this user acquisition or I've got these other, I've got this intellectual property or I've got these other pieces to show traction and say, you know, if you are pitching us in February and you're pre-revenue, um, we don't film until usually June and September. So you have the opportunity to build the business and we have the opportunity to get to know you between February and June. And certainly by the time September rolls around, unless you are building something that is you know, highly technical, um, you, you should usually, you know, if you already have a business established, you should usually be able to have something that you can get into market and, and show some additional traction in some way by the fall. So um, it's very rare for people to come on at this point with just the idea and, and get a deal just because it's so competitive, but that shouldn't stop you from pitching because the casting process is a longer process because you have to go through diligence in a way that's similar to what uh, Fritz is probably putting companies through uh, in terms of his his personal angel investing. Um, you have to go through that, and so that gives you time as an entrepreneur to build. Uh, but but it's competitive. Uh, but uh, but don't let that stop you from from coming and pitching. Yeah, no, I, that's that's encouraging. So I was always under the impression that you know you had to have you know a little bit of. Uh, revenue and traction before you got up there and uh, now uh, it sounds like um, you know anybody with the right idea and a little bit of uh, you know, forward thinking uh, to make it so let's stick on start charting for a little bit because um, I wanted to know what it actually takes to actually get there you mentioned that it's more competitive what does that decision process look like how is the decision ultimately made and uh, how long is it from the time that, say, somebody pitches to you to the time that they hear back if um, they make to make to the next stage? Yeah. So in a pre-COVID environment, um, there are two ways to pitch or three ways to pitch. You could either submit an application online, which thousands of tens of thousands of people do every season. Um, you could uh, connect with a producer from the show, so someone like myself personally, and, and connect at an event or connect on Instagram or however, and chat about the business. Or you could come to our casting calls. And, and of course, I usually do eight to 10 casting calls all over the country. Um, if you pitch, um, that's the first step in the process. Uh, we want to hear problem, solution, market opportunity, traction, and have you make an ask. Uh, believe it or not, one of the biggest problems we have at casting calls or just in talking to entrepreneurs about the show more generally is people just uh, either don't ask or they aren't confident when they make the ask. I think there's some broader societal pieces to that. I think nerves have something to do with it, probably, especially at a pitch at, at a um, at a. Uh, casting call where you have other people in the room, uh, but also there's just kind of a general unfamiliarity with investing and with this world of venture and startups and being on a venture track. And uh, 
most people just don't have a reason to know anything about that because most people aren't accredited investors. And so, you know, prior to Shark Tank, if you're not accredited, like there's no reason for you to know anything about investing in a company. And so that's why the work that Tunde and the folks at Republic are, are doing is, is so great because as Fritz said, it's democratizing um, that opportunity to not only raise capital um, as an entrepreneur, but also to potentially invest as an everyday person that's not accredited, you know, by the, by the SEC, which um, is something that, that still needs some work from a policy perspective. But um, you pitch, and then the next step, if we, we go back and actually pitch internally. So you pitch to us in what, through whatever channel you come in, we go back as a team and pitch internally and say, I met this person at the bit web webinar. I thought they had some potential. Um, I'd like for them to move forward. And then there's an internal decision that's made about the next, about what group moves forward, usually on a weekly basis or so. And then from there, the next step for most people is submitting a video. So a video is a longer form pitch um, where you have an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about you, a little bit more about the business, show a little personality as well. Uh, and then after that, the, the process is really individualized. You, you go through patent checks and background check, and we got to know you are who you say you are, and the business does what you say it does. And at the end of that diligence process with the show, um, a you know, select number of companies will get invited out to, usually in a pre-COVID environment, invited out to pitch in front of the Sharks. Um, again, we usually film in June and September every year um, with COVID. Um, the filming, we actually don't have dates yet for, for filming, but, but season 12 is greenlit, so it's going to happen at some point as soon as the you know, environment is, is, uh, is healthy enough for us to do it. Uh, but, uh, but that's the basic casting process. Um, new episodes will usually air late September, early October. The season usually goes through April or May of the next year, just depending on how many episodes get picked up. Um, the episodes don't air always in the order that they're filmed in. So you could potentially film in June and not air until May, which is something you have to think about from a business standpoint. If you're expecting to have your episode air in, in the fall and be able to get some significant consumer pop from that, um, sometimes that just doesn't work out. And that's... Um, it has nothing to do with your business and has everything to do with with production. It's just a production decision. Uh, and um, the last thing I say is Shark Tank is very competitive, but hopefully going through the process, you'll come out better than you came, even if you end up not making it on the show. So at the events that I do, I do pitch prep with the entrepreneurs. I usually try to have an access to capital discussion, invite the SBA groups like Bit in to have table space and share their business resources. Uh, because I think Shark Tank, just like for everyday investors, has opened up this world of venture to people that wouldn't have any reason to know anything about it and probably is um, bringing in some knowledge and information for people on the entrepreneur side. Um, I hope that every entrepreneur leaves our process better than they came. And I guess the very last thing I'll say is that there's no penalty for applying multiple times. So if you apply one season, don't make it on. Um, there's no penalty. You can apply the second season. You can apply a third time. Very often people apply two or three times before they make it on because it's so competitive. But um, I want to get more uh, entrepreneurs of color, uh, more African-American entrepreneurs, more women um, more young people into the pipeline for our show. I think we have to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen itself. 
uh, if we you know leave things as they are, Shark Tank will just be a reflection of the broader VC space, which isn't particularly diverse. Uh, and so, you know, thanks again for allowing me to be here, and I'm hoping to connect with some entrepreneurs uh, who may be interested in, in season 12. All right, so uh, attendees, uh, you just heard it, man. Uh, he's looking for some people for Shark Tank season 12. So uh, we will open it up and you'll get a chance to speak directly to Brandon. Um, but um, what I took away from what you said, and I took away a lot. Um, but the biggest thing is um, uh, be prepared and have a pitch that you're confident in, that you feel good, you know, at the end asking uh, for um, – um, the next step. And, and I can't stress that enough, Dennis, because the ask isn't set in stone. So again, our casting process is, is usually a multi-month process. So we expect your business to change between the time you pitch us at uh, in February, potentially, and whenever we might be filming. And, and honestly, we expect your evaluation to go up. But it's so important that you, as an entrepreneur, show us that you've thought about what the valuation is for my company, um, that you've wrapped your mind around being on a venture track, even though Shark Tank, um, not every business is on a traditional venture track. There's some you know, more lifestyle kind of businesses that are there getting investments, but, but you've got you to convince us that you've wrapped your mind around having an investor, having someone on your cap table, having someone else that you're sharing uh, mind space with as you're running the business. Uh, and if you come in with a um, pitch that, or an ask in particular, that isn't strong, um, or if it's clear that you haven't thought about um, valuing your business, then that's going to put you in a position where you're going to be a little less competitive than, than others. And, that's, and that doesn't always mean that your business isn't great. Sometimes it's just, if you can't make the ask to me, how can you make the ask in front of the lights to the sharks um, when, it, when they're ready? But I know Fritz has some great resources for entrepreneurs. And, and I'm, of course, always happy to chat offline with entrepreneurs about you know, valuation and, and making the ask as well if, if, if folks have questions. Yeah, actually, uh, I was just about to pivot to Fritz and ask um, um, what your suggestion would be to um, entrepreneurs who are putting together their pitch decks and who are um, looking for you know, feedback and coaching. Um, I guess, what's the best way to make sure that they have a rock solid before they go out and present it to the world? Well, I think, um, you know, Dennis, you and I have talked, uh, you know, quite a bit about this. So, you know, the, the, the key things, I mean, I can't stress how um, tremendous a resource we kind of have in front of us in terms of what, what people are posting online and, and, and the internet. I mean, there's any number of tools and, and resources and, and we provide a few and I, I tend to get involved with um, conversations with entrepreneurs and walk them through you know, what are the key elements of your pitch deck and what's the story you want to tell. Um, I, I think at, at the end of the day, though, um, just making sure that you're capturing the key things that investors are looking for. I mean, I think what, what Brandon talked about um, in terms of what Shark Tank's looking for is almost like literally the same things that are in the pitch deck. It's, you know, what problem you're solving. Um, and really, you know, uh, uh, I'm a big, I'm just a huge proponent of aspirin grade um, problems uh, and, and aspirin grade startups, you know, so, you know, really thinking about who, who for what you're doing is an absolute like painkiller. It's not, there's no, 
you know, equivocating about, okay, do I need this? The pain is so great for whoever your startup is focused on that, you know, um, your solution is a no brainer. And, and it's, it's hard to do, but I think it's, it's really important to kind of put yourself through the aspirin vitamin kind of test because vitamin's great be nice to have and so on. But, but it's, I could, I could do without it. Um, I can miss it and not even realize I missed it, but I know I should be doing it. That's just not enough to build traction off of, especially in this environment that we're in right now. It's really thinking about who, who that person is. And it could be a business. It could be um, an individual, but I think your pitch deck has to, has to make the case that this is aspirin and it's aspirin for a lot, for a large number of people, which is kind of, you know, your market opportunity and how much of that you think you can capture. Um, and then the rest is just all operational details about, you know, do you have the, the right pieces in place to produce aspirin essentially, right? And, and, and to produce it at scale. Um, so, I mean, I, to, for me, I just like to keep things super, super simple because I think a lot of times entrepreneurs fall in love with, um, they fall in love with the idea. And then what happens is a sort of a cognitive bias um, um, that's, that's referred to as sunk costs sort of like your your ability to not see reason past a certain point because you've spent so much time in some cases so much money on a startup that you're no longer paying attention to okay do people really want this and is this really is this something that we could deliver and is this really aspirin that we have or do we just have you know uh, some kind of interesting vitamin sort of solution so i think um I think that's important. And with that operational scalability dimension, looking at who's on your team um, and how are you telling the story of, of who's rowing what part of the boat or, or who's operating what part of the machinery that, that cranks out the aspirin um, and, and just kind of putting yourself through that. I recommended a book to every entrepreneur I talk to. Um, it's called Get Backed. Um, so it's written by, I know this two, the authors, both their first names, Evan, but one is, I think Evan Loomis. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a one, it's a book that is probably less than $25. That is all about pitch decks. It's all about how to create a pitch deck. And it shows examples of pitch decks that raise money. The authors are also founders that have raised money. So it isn't just, you know, open expertise. It's, it's grounded in something. And I would, strongly recommend that and then I, there's a few resources online to um for you to look at uh um that speak to how to put together pitch decks we even have a link i think on our site now about um you know the top 30 pitch decks from companies you know like uber facebook you know that sort of stuff um that can help you know walk walk people through but uh, at the end of the day it always comes down to problem like like what problem are you solving and is your solution actually assuming it's a real problem and a real pain for someone that your solution is actually aspirin the, those the rest you could pick up you could find we, we're happy to help you with um but but we can't fix that first part like if you're solving something that is not critical it's just it's just nothing you could do you know the deck could look fantastic you you know and you're just you keep spinning <clears throat> so, so start with the, start with the problem and work from there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then once you have your your aspirin, uh, yeah. I guess the next question is, um, um, what's gaining traction right now? I mean, what have you guys seen? And this is a um, you know question for for Tunde as well. 
Um, yep. What have you seen in the investment community that you know seems to get a lot of buzz and energy when you start talking to investors about a particular technology or product set? Yep. What's hot right now? Yeah, well, well, I'll pass to Tunde. I've talked too much. <laughs> yeah, please. And he can answer a question with Republic for sure. Yeah, I can give just a little bit of insight um, into some of what we've seen get funded recently. I think we've seen a large interest in, um, in healthcare, uh, kind, of, kind of very relevant, really pertinent <clears throat> to the climate right now. The last company to raise a full million dollars on our platform was uh, a company that was Y Combinator back called Delete. Um, which is a, uh, a blood testing system that helps cancer patients kind of better uh, target and um, monitor the progressions of their cancer over time so that you can kind of um, curate, uh, curate the treatment to it. Um, female founder raised about a million dollars last year. We also have a, um, a, a company uh, whose name I am, for forgive me, I'm blanking on it right now, um, but when, you, when I have a second, I'll, I'll take a quick look. Um, but very relevant to kind of the COVID climate, um, and they've had a really successful raise um, in the, in the past. I think three weeks that they've been that they've been online. Um, so healthcare is really big. <clears throat> I think things um, like there's been a, a larger focus from the more sophisticated segment of um, angels who are on our platform, um, looking towards companies that are working either 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 at kind of break even. Um, or working towards break-even and profitability. I think that's kind of like a, a, a macro theme um, within the entire industry. Uh, you know, valuations got a little bit stir-crazy and, and, and round sizes that were, were, you're seeing in 2018 and 2019. Um, some of the seed rounds that were being filled were some of the largest ever. Um, and so, you know, people are kind of taking a step back and being a little bit more conservative. Um, so when it comes to our platform, we're also seeing, you know, that we're seeing a lot more questions and a lot more investors asking about, uh, you know, companies' cash position, um, how they're how they're how they're efficiently kind of managing cash, um, and what their plans are to kind of ride things out. Um, but in terms of, so I, I would say those are the biggest, the, the two biggest themes that we've seen over this kind of two past two month period. Uh, but you know, our traditional kind of like. Companies that are in the that are in the AI space, that are in uh, the, the fintech space, are also kind of you know seeing natural um, attraction from investors as they they traditionally do on the platform. Okay, nice, nice. Um, Brandon, any um, any thoughts on um, what's hot or what um, what kind of appeals to uh, the sharks? Yeah, I mean it's we're we're really sector agnostic. Sharks are interested in businesses that have traction in a, and that are ready to scale. I know that's not particularly helpful if, if folks are looking for a, for something to focus on, but but something that I can say for season 12, um, we're definitely looking, always looking for good stories. And I think entrepreneurs, a, a significant part of entrepreneurship is being able to deal with a crisis effectively. And outside of, situations like a global pandemic, those crises are internal crises. So maybe my manufacturer um, or my co-packer um, is shut down and I can't deliver on time, or maybe um, I have a staffing issue that's um, problematic, or maybe you know folks just aren't buying the, the current product and I need to pivot. But there's always these internal crises that entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are dealing with now in this COVID-19 environment during this global pandemic 
we're seeing entrepreneurs respond to a big external crisis and use those same skills um, to pivot in some way and some, sometimes pivot significantly with the business. And so really looking for interesting stories there um, in addition to businesses that have traction and that are ready to scale, it's how have you responded to the past couple of months or have you responded at all? Uh, and what kind of business uh, response have you seen? And, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't always have to be a positive thing. Sometimes you have to try a couple of things before you figure out what works. Sometimes you have to get on the path to eventually get to the solution. But um, yeah, outside of uh, folks that have some traction, just interested in, in what those interesting stories are. And I'm sure that there are a lot of them out there because um, despite what um, we hear, especially about black businesses, um, you know, missing out on PPP and already not having been in the strongest uh, positions um, for it, with a number of metrics. Um, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are out there that are still um, fighting every day and that have found ways to pivot and found ways to um, even, you know, potentially bring in more revenue during this time by, you know, making the right change and, and, and going after a new audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well said. Uh, we have a, just about 15, 20 minutes left. Um, so what I'm going to do is I am going to open it up to questions from the attendees. And Simon already has his hand up for a question. So uh, Simon, if you want to go ahead and ask your question, I'm going to unmute everybody else and make everyone available to talk. So if you want to ask a question, uh, just raise your hand. I'll call on you, and actually, we're going to go Simon and then Armazi. Uh, you can ask your question, but um, go for it. Hi, everyone. Yeah, my name is Simon Deji. Um, I'm with BlackPay. Uh, BlackPay is uh, we just came up with a, a new platform, which is um, an AI paid attention social payment platform. And um, the, my question is actually directed to Tunde um, from Republic. Um, one of the things um, we were looking into Republic, but one of the things we were concerned about was the cap table. And once the investment comes through, what will be the categorization or the name that would be on our cap table? Because we would rather prefer to have just Republic and every other person that has invested through in Republic rather than having tens of thousands of people being um, on our cap table. Um, that's pretty much what my question is. Yeah, uh, that's a great question and one that that I that I uh, that I get basically every day when I um, and and communicating and kind of talking to founders and educating them on our platform. So uh, at a high level, what we use our most common instrument um, and and Republican we can facilitate all types of raises from equity like straight equity raises to safes uh, to to simple debt um, revenue share and profit share, but. Our most common uh, equity financing instrument is called a crowd safe. Uh, if you're familiar with the Y Combinator safe, simple agreement for future equity, uh, then it's really easy to kind of understand how the crowd safe works. Um, but effectively, it's just a safe that aggregates, um, it does three things. It aggregates all investors into a single line item on the cap table. So whether you have uh, 5,000 investors or five investors, it doesn't matter. They all basically get aggregated sit as one line item on the cap table um, and, and appears as if one investor had written you one large check. 
too. Um, for, for smaller investors and smaller check sizes, it minimizes their voting and information rights because we understand that, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's somewhat of a trade-off for an investor writing, you know, a small $100 check into a round that they can get early into uh, versus someone who's writing a $50,000 check uh, and is taking a little bit more of that, that capital risk. Um, so for the, the, the benefits of, of kind of minimizing the voting and information rights of smaller investors is that it makes it easy to actually manage the, the investors on an ongoing basis so that you don't have to sit there and have, you know, hundreds or thousands of investors in your inbox asking about what's happening with their money or with the company. Uh, and then the final, the final difference between the traditional safe and, and our crowd safe is that um, the the is, is really around the conversion. So with the traditional safe and also with the traditional convertible note, uh, these instruments would normally convert upon the next qualified um, financing event. Um, basically, the way that these event these these instruments work, you can write in um, a, a trigger for them um, to be whatever you'd like it to be. But the most traditional and common trigger is the next time the company goes out to raise another round of capital. Uh, with the Republic crowd safe, it only converts upon uh, a liquidity event. So some type of event where uh, all investors would be able to receive their money back, whether it's a positive return or a negative. Um, so think about an acquisition, uh, a merger, uh, a change in control, and of course the, the, what most companies are striving for, which is an, which is an IPO. Uh, those are the main four kind of trigger events that would convert uh, a crowd safe holder from just the holder of the safe into an equity um, an equity holder that would sit on your cap table. Um, so for those kind of three reasons, you know, it's very founder friendly. You can really focus on just bringing in the capital and using it to to operate your business and to execute, rather than being worried about how it's going to look to future investors down down the line when you're raising additional capital uh, or having to spend you know majority of your time managing all of these different investors. Yeah, just one last part of it. Um, is there like a buy buyback option to that? You you could write that into the crowd safe. We would have to structure that um, into the in the into the crowd safe upfront. Um, but it doesn't. It, it's not written in de, de facto. But it's definitely possible for us to work with our securities attorneys to to structure it however you'd like it. All right. Thank you. So I'll ask Mozzie's question. It was put into the the Q and A. Uh, and it says, I presume a balanced pitch is best, but still I'm curious, what are your thoughts about leaning into one strong suit, say maybe a designer really elevates the value from a perspective of a design, whereas an engineer, engineering, you know, um, all with um, at least some general knowledge of other domains, especially how to make money. So, um, I'm not sure if that's more of a question or a statement. <laughs> um, Mozzie, did you want to um, elaborate on that question? Hey, yeah, I actually was able to glean what I needed from uh, from the discussion. I tried to follow up over email, uh, oh. but thank you, though. Okay, great. Thank you. I think just for others on the on the webinar, though, um, every entrepreneur, every team, you should just be yourself. And so you do want to have, a, there are a few boxes that you definitely want to check uh, from a pitch standpoint. But if there's one area that you're stronger in and you feel like that area is going to um, be some kind of force multiplier for you from a business perspective, then you know, no problem with leaning into that if it's something that's going to be helpful for the business. 
Anyone else have uh, questions for the panel? Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to ask another one. Uh, so what's more important? Is the idea or the founder the most uh, important factor when considering early stage investing? Don't say both. That's not, uh, that's I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, in my experience, um, you know, when I started my first startup, uh, you know, a good time ago, um, you know, investors said to me that smart investors uh, invest in jockeys, not horses, right? And I think, um, and that's always stayed with me. And it, it basically just speaks to, um, you know, if you're investing in a smart um values-driven, uh, hungry team, they can pivot, they can come up, you know, ideas, you know, sometimes just don't work out or parts of them don't work out. But if you have the right team, they can figure out a way to be resourceful within that. Um, so I think for, for me, it, what I've seen is, is that it really depends on the proximity that you have to, to the investor. Um, so if you're talking like angels, um, you know, right now they're, they're going to understand that what you're giving to them is probably a bit early and it will change. So they're going to be looking a little bit more at who you are and what you've been able to pull off. How, how long has your team been together? Um, I think Brandon alluded a little bit to this um, in his conversation, but, you know, this idea of like internal um friction and challenges that can sometimes derail uh, is important. You know, how co-founders get along, how you manage work, how, you know, how you're tracking, you know, performance, you know, all of, all of these things are, are super important. So I think angels tend to look at, at team dynamics. I mean, of course they look at the problem you're solving and the business you're in, but in the end it's like, okay, should, should they be wrong about this or should they need to shift or should they need to, to, to go somewhere, you know, with this, these are the right people. Um, VCs, uh, at least the ones that I know, um, speak, you know, look at it more from a problem standpoint. Like, are you solving a big enough problem? And the aspirin solution that you have is 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 substantial, and it's actually a, you know, a, a blind spot, or it's a, it's an area that is really ownable. What they tend to look at is are the people we're talking to the same people that can take this business to a hundred million dollar a year, um, you know, annual recovering revenue business. Right. And a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even look at themselves that way. They like to think that, yeah, I can take it, you know, to a hundred, 200, you know, I can, you know, even though they've never done it before. And so, um, and it, it takes a, a specific skill set. Um, and so those investors tend to think about, you know, how soon before I have to replace this person that's pitching me. Right. Or 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 that I have to add, you know, um, something to, to, to them to actually help them get their business there. So, you know, the way a sort of a Mark Zuckerberg um, added like Sheryl Sandberg. Right. That's a perfect that's a classic scenario of like an engineer that had something that had traction that was growing and then grew beyond just, OK, how do we keep the servers running into like, OK, how do we make this an actual revenue generating business? And, you know. They, they just brought in someone that could do that. So if you're like engineering heavy, you could do that sort of thing. Um, you know, like if you're a technical, 
you could put, get get away with that because it's hard to replace a technical founder that has vision um, to scale a product. Um, but but if you're not, it just becomes a little tricky. So so I, so that's what I've seen. I, I think it it flips a little bit with VCs. Um, they'll look more at problem and solution, and then think that the team is maybe you know, interchangeable, can be moved around, you know, people can, you know, they, they think a little bit looser, at least the ones that I, I know. Um, Angel's a little different, just because of the stage, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, uh, this next question probably lends itself to you too, Fritz, but any of um, you guys can jump in and answer it. It's um, uh, from Joseph, um, he wants to know, he's not very familiar with, um, uh, with startups, uh, but he wants to know how to be a stellar investor, asking about things to read, certifications to get, ways that he can inform himself, uh, you know, blogs, news, to stay aware of investment trends and get that um, ever-elusive uh, deal flow. Trying to find right, so, right, right, so you're trying to be an angel investor? Uh, like trying to invest his own money? Uh, Joseph, uh, do you want to elaborate? Uh, as of now, not particularly being an angel investor, just uh, Mike's. I have some past private equity experience and have done some like work around investments in industrials and healthcare. And so, understanding things from that perspective, I've come to hear is like very different from how what you all are discussing about. So, mm -hmm. I was curious, kind of how to you know shift and reorient my experience to get a better understanding of this side of the investment stuff. Yeah. Right. You mean to be an actual like manager of funds, like ma manager of other people's money to invest in startups. I'm, I'm assuming so. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So no, no, there's actually quite a few really good resources. Um, you know, my, my thought on it as like a first time money manager, especially in this environment, um, is really to try to start, um, start wherever you can and start small. Um, a book that comes to mind by, uh, Jason Calcanis, it's called um, Angel, I believe. I think it's just called Angel. And there's another one by um, uh, David Rose that talks about angel investing. But even if it's not your own money, I would start to look at just how to invest, um, you know, in small ways, like other people's money um, in, in ideas or um, and doing it one startup at a time. Like, I wouldn't recommend trying to build, build a fund or, or at least not in this current environment. It's more of like, how can you, um, and a, another good way is actually even looking at becoming a venture scout. So you can leverage your experience um, and help VCs find deals that they just would not be able to find, whether it's, you know, because of their access to, to the startups or geographic, um, you know, it, you know, differences. So, you know, to me, like your job as a, even a fund manager is really trying to think about how can you create your own unique um source of deal flow like like what you know like that to me is the is the bigger thing and then the books i mentioned and i'm happy to chat offline about how to do diligence um you know in startups and how to think about is the startup really onto something or not that's that's not as hard the harder part is is the is the capital formation is really thinking about okay how can i show people that i have an eye and that i can actually spot value and that i actually have a unique access to you know to deal flow in in some way you know so 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 i can get them there earlier and before others so i mean that's my two cents on it 
uh, one one of the things that um that Jason Calcanis mentions in um, in Angel is um, Angelus specifically, and you can go on basically um, for a small amount of money, you know, join up, you know, be a part of a syndicate, and you don't have to necessarily invest that money, uh, but you can get access to the deals. And his suggestion is to basically play like fantasy baseball or football where you, you know, hedge on, um, you know, a few different um, businesses, kind of watch it, see how you did. And once you get comfortable with the process, you know, start putting real money in. Yeah, and I'll just add to that um, because, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Angelus. So Republic actually is um, we is a, is an Angelus spin-out. Um, so our CEO was general counsel there before we uh, he got some seed funding. Uh, and, and, and left to kind of open up access to angel investing to, to regular everyday people. So, you know, I think Angelus is a great resource to, to gain deal flow. Uh, the minimums there might not be as accessible for kind of people who are just starting out unless you have a good amount of capital. So, um, you know, I, I, alongside, like, as you're kind of reading angels and all these different resources, you want to start to kind of test out some of the theories. I think Republic is a great way to, to get a little bit of skin in the game or you can do 100, 250 bucks into a, uh, into different deals. You could build up a portfolio of 10, 20 companies and see how those start to play out. Um, but the, the, the main thing that you can do is you can apply the principles that you're learning in some of these books uh, when you're diligencing companies and, and, and founders and opportunities. Um, and then you can keep track of, of how these companies are doing. Like, are they raising additional capital afterwards? Um, uh, are, they, are they pivoting and having to change their idea? Did I pick right? Is the founder kind of you know, still the person that I thought they were? Um, so I think Angels is a really good book. The other one that I would recommend is Venture Deals by Brad Feld, who's uh, one of the, the, the co-founders of Techstars. Um, I think it's also a great resource. Nice, nice. So we are just at 7.30. Um, do we have one more question from anybody in the audience? Just trying to find out if Tunde is able to share his email so we can reach out to him. Oh, yeah, definitely. So my email is uh, tunde at republic.co. Um, so just my first name at republic.co. And I'll send out information to, um, to everyone who's attended as far as um, uh, the follow-up. There'll be um, a survey for feedback as well as the contact information for the folks on the call. Um, I encourage you to stay in contact, connect with folks on LinkedIn, including myself. Uh, the website for Blacks and Technology is bitnyc.org, and that's where you'll be able to go and get a replay of this as well as uh, connect with me directly. So uh, with that, if there are no other questions, uh, I want to thank all of our panelists for attending and taking time out of their busy schedule to uh, share with us their expertise. And for the attendees, thank you guys for uh, being attentive and asking some great questions. I do appreciate it and hope to see you in the future.